Hello, welcome to Susie and Nikki in conversation. I'm Susie, this is Nikki. Hi Nikki. Hello. Thanks for being back with me again. Um, Nikki and I have got together today to discuss the Panorama programme that's hit the headlines massively this week um, and caused a fair bit of um, oh, disruption, angst, anxiety, in the the ADHD community, um, so it's the Panorama Private ADHD Clinics Exposed. So, from the off, a really dramatic, sensationalist title. And Nikki and I are just going to chat about what we thought, what we thought, what we found, and our own experiences, and how people might be feeling who have had a an, a diagnosis in these clinics. So, if you don't know. Um, if you're watching this and you don't know what I'm talking about, then please have a look at um, iPlayer on BBC if you're in the UK. Um, and uh, so basically, how how can we summarise it, Nikki? It was to expose some private clinics, wasn't it? To yeah. how they're kind of, well... Diagnosing not... ADHD. It was an expose, wasn't it, on how these private clinics were inaccurately diagnosing ADHD and and I guess trying to show how easy it was to get an ADHD diagnosis if you paid privately that's how it came across to me like I I mean I said to you about it didn't I like when when we spoke a few days ago I was just outraged um and I guess we'll talk about our own experiences in a minute but I was outraged and also really upset because the day after being in a lot of private groups um you know facebook groups with and seeing the comments and the upset for other people that had adhd and had been through private diagnosis and actually with some of those clinics completely spiraling and feeling even more isolated and and i think it's really difficult to for people to accept and understand particularly like I don't know about you but I get a lot oh there's no way you've got ADHD or you don't look like you've got ADHD but the same with with autism and then when you've got a program like this that is so you know sen like a sensationalist title and it's about controversy and I just thought it was a re in really poor taste with no consideration for an already vulnerable group within society like it just felt like they were wanting people to view it with no regard for the impact on the well-being of those it affected yeah and i think it's given people permission to those that are already skeptical and like oh you can't have adhd because when people say that is because they don't know what it is yeah. and what it entails um so it's given a lot of people who are skeptical um permission to be like oh see it's just you know it's an everyday people just need to kind of you know work at it it's not a condition look this yeah. is how easy it is to go and get a diagnosis um so it's a very one-dimensional take on it wasn't it without considering consideration for the vulnerable group that ADHDers are um, and it's kind of I feel like it's taken things back years in terms of awareness. Just get I mean, that feeling. 
I'd almost say it's made it worse because if I think you think now about the power of social media and the media as a whole that that amplifies and magnifies things on a different level so all the progress that has kind of been made and you know people trying to find their their space and cope better in a rapidly evolving society when you've got something that hits the media and social media in that way I think the damage in my opinion is even even more vast and far-reaching um and you, you also then get the keyboard warriors that feel like they can you know hide behind their screens and put sort of nasty vitriolic comments which i saw quite a lot of on social media um and there's the impact on people's mental health and the trauma associated with people that maybe did pay for a private assessment and i think there was there was nothing about ADHD and how it affects people and how, um, you know, people that do do have ADHD, the impact on, on their lives and why people go for diagnosis. And actually, why are people paying for private diagnosis? So when I was originally referred, I had a letter from our, my adult um, health team telling me there was a four year wait. Yeah. Like, so, so how about looking at some of that and there was no examples of private clinics that were doing it really well but where there were good experiences and actually I think a very important message got lost um, and that was the danger around medication so mm. what was horrendous in I felt in that documentary was the and very valid and very much needed was that exposure of how easy it was to be prescribed and gain access to drugs um so i and i think that is extremely valid and i was and i, I guess we could talk about our experiences but i went down a private route but had an nhs psychiatrist who did private work um with an nhs partner but I had a full health screening and I have a heart condition. So stimulant meds were totally off the table for me. So it was really scary to think that had I have gone to one of those clinics, I would have been prescribed potentially life-threatening drugs. And I think that could have been an extremely valid and necessary element of the programme but for me that got lost in the distasteful approach of that whole documentary yeah because that was such a tiny part of it wasn't it I mean it was there and it was like wow yeah. no health check or anything um and you know all I know is that when people are looking at stimulant medication they have ECGs they have you yeah. know the whole because of the the dangers um so that was yeah and that but yeah it was lost wasn't it the whole the whole tone really suggested you know anyone can go and say they've got ADHD look at me they all said I have yeah. but it was such a small sample and yeah what about all those private clinics doing the best they can using NHS partners um and indeed like you said why people are going private because people can't wait four years you know they the struggle with the deterioration of mental health is people are like 
you know, desperate, aren't they? They can't wait four years to get help. No, and I think, you know, my kind of view, and we've talked about this before in terms of ADHD and autism coming under the mental health banner, I always feel like the mental health issue and the anxiety comes as a result of having autism and ADHD trying to cope and manage in an holistic world you know in a world that's not really designed or set out for us and I think that for many people if you reach that point that you want help and you you're looking for a diagnosis and maybe that's for medication or maybe it's for for therapy so I was referred for CBT so it's not just about medication but if you're looking for a diagnosis and an, and the ability to understand yourself better, to gain support and access to services that can help you manage your life better, whether that be medication or other therapies, like that's not a decision that people make lightly. And it tends to not be a decision people make quickly. I, I certainly didn't. I don't know about you, but, you know, from the moment that, that two people in sh short succession mentioned that they thought I had ADHD, the research and the rabbit holes and the books I read and the, you know, all of that was months before I then approached my GP. So it's not that people are just kind of thinking, I might have ADHD, I just get, oh, I'll go and pay for an assessment because yeah, it's expensive for a start. It's, I found it quite traumatic. Mm. Um, and I, and I really felt like that documentary like diminished and dismissed all of that. There was no mention of any of that. So people are, are not going to know that's the case unless they've, they're like us and have, have been through it. It is traumatic. I spent five years researching, built, also building up courage because I yeah. thought I wouldn't be believed and, oh, no, I'm fine. And then the next minute I'm having a meltdown. Maybe I'm not fine. You know, this whole... Roller so, coaster. Yeah, five years I knew before I built. So it's not something people do lightly. You look on the Facebook groups, like people were terrified about going for an assessment. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. And who, <laughs> if there are people that are like, oh, I might have ADHD, I'll go and get an you know... Who are they? I've never met any like that. Have you? Never, like never. And I think it's more a case of maybe even being a little bit in denial. I wasn't, there was nothing exciting for me or, or like, oh, I might have ADHD. Let's go and get a diagnosis. It was like, wow, okay, this actually helps me make sense of a lot. Yeah. I'm curious about it like doing some research to almost try and find the evidence that supports that I didn't have ADHD but everything was coming back kind of confirming that that was likely to be the case and then obviously I mean I was lucky that my mum had kept my school reports because they, they were they were some interesting reading what sort um, of things were in your school reports oh things like easily distracted can do well when she applies herself not interested at other times arrogant but don't think she means to be I, I'm also autistic so there was some some of that was tied in with that um yeah like easily distracted too chatty looking out the window not paying attention um you know could, could apply myself to tasks that 
I wanted to apply myself to was difficult if it was a subject that I wasn't interested in you know basically the whole could try harder must do more um and I was always a bit quirky since I used to cry a lot so there was you know just this the school reports were like this fairly yeah like distracted underachiever because I wasn't putting in enough effort I think that probably sums it up how about you <laughs> yeah same easily distracted chatty prefers to have a laugh than actually do any work um one that I'm just I just love and I can quote it although not a particular behavioral problem herself her presence acts as a catalyst for the misbehavior of others <laughs> and I know what I was doing because I'm as and still am autistic and ADHD I loved the, the naughty naughtiness you know yeah. of people like messing around and you know I loved it I thrived on it but I was also very scared of getting into trouble so what I Don't would do is <laughs> encourage others to do it so <laughs> you know get all the the enjoyment um yeah I did get into trouble as well and I was you know I wasn't I was quite um I was always mucking around and you know yeah uh, encouraging some in physics lab there was this big block of ice and I said right let's pick that up and pretend that we've dropped it and they're like, oh okay then <laughs> so we did and we dropped it we're like oh I'm so sorry he's like oh it's okay it's okay but just yeah so not anything really harmful yeah you know but just having a, a laugh and my report suggested that as well so and that's where you fly under the radar though, isn't it? Because not not naughty enough or your behaviour isn't significant enough. I still I still think now if I was at school now, I I did I you know, and I guess this is another issue entirely, but the fact that like autism and ADHD are all geared around um boys and and how clever girls are at sort of mimicking the behaviors that are expected of them and masking and camouflaging their behavior those subtleties you know i still think now i could probably get away with nobody really noticing they wouldn't understand the effort that i was going to to manage all of this internally but it's yeah that that's another subject isn't it on that point um but, but, yeah, but the people, fact ar yeah. around this this um, program, like I found it really heartbreaking. And, I, and, and, you know, we've talked about this. I also don't know how I would have felt or been triggered if I had had an experience similar to that in the documentary. And I was really fortunate that I didn't. And I had a really positive private assessment. But how I think I would have... I think I would have really, really triggered in with anxiety and panic and confusion and felt very invalidated. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because I that wasn't my experience. But what that documentary really lacked as well, I think, is not saying this is what you should expect. This is what a these are the private clinics that are doing it really well here's how to get in contact with them or here's how to liaise with your GP or the NHS to choose a partner um, to, ha uh, you know, a private, a private assessment. Um, 
And also, what do you do if you have had one an, uh, an assessment with one of these clinics that have been exposed? Because you've like opened Pandora's box for already vulnerable people yeah. and almost shunned their diagnosis. Yeah, and usually on programmes, they say, if you have been affected by anything in this programme, here's some places for support. Nothing. Nothing. And this is the BBC, who you kind of expect more from. Well, I do. Yeah, and that's where, like, I think that this could have been really positive. And if you look at the comparison between how they behaved with this documentary and what I thought was wonderful was the Chris Packham Inside Our Autistic Minds. I was like, and that was the BBC, wasn't it? I'm pretty, yeah, it was. BBC I'm Two, sure. I think that was on. But yeah. I'm like, how incredibly insightful and um, empathetic and, you know, really opened up people's minds to thinking about the experiences of, um, you know, autistics living in an holistic society and not to draw conclusions and assumptions. And, I thought that was beautifully done and really powerful and really positive. And then in contrast, you've got this ridiculous, like, I don't, I don't even know what the purpose of it was uh -huh. because for me, it was so detrimental in so many ways. I'm, I'm appalled at the BBC, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? Yeah. What was, what was their intention here? Was it to discredit ADHD as a condition you know that's, that's how it felt that's what it feels like doesn't it when you think about the whole 30 minutes it that's what I can't see really what else they were trying to achieve there wasn't a a, a purpose was there did you have your ADHD assessment privately mm. do you want to yeah. talk about like because you had a, and, and I'll share mine but like if you share your the experience that you had I think that's really important for people to understand not all private ADHD assessments are as that panorama program depicted. No, no. so I, mine was with the Learning Assessment and Neurocare Centre. So, um, and they were, the psychologist, um, Dr. Cooley, he was big in the ADHD world. He was just so lovely. And the psychiatrist was um, somebody that worked for the NHS as well. Yeah. And it was hours. I remember being there from like nine till 12 and it was yeah. very intense. I was being tested for my IQ, for any areas in attention, yeah. working memory, like yeah. trying to get me to hold numbers in my mind whilst doing something else. Yeah. I just couldn't, I could hold one piece of information. And the, he was like, really? So he even he was shocked at how terrible my working memory is was and um it was intense and in the interview like my school days my early childhood together with some um information from my mum you know uh mental health like yeah. everything it was intense and you know I just assumed that that's what what happens elsewhere mm. but this on this documentary it looked from what they showed you know, it's probably heavily edited. It looked like they were going through the um, the screening questionnaire, like saying, do you have trouble sitting still? Yeah. Yes. Tick. Do you have, and that's that's just the screening questionnaire. That's not basis for um, a diagnosis. So I think people need to know this. This isn't what happens at, yeah. a, at a, you know, and even if people have 
had that a similar experience and been diagnosed with ADHD, it doesn't mean they don't have it. No. You know, that's the thing. And I don't want people to be thinking, what if I don't have it now? You know, and feel like a real fraud. And I think that's the that's the danger, isn't it? And I think I, I don't think that the screening questionnaire that they were clearly going through, I mean, that was the screening questionnaire that I had to fill out to give to my GP to get referred for an yeah. for an assessment. But I think there's a, I mean, th this is where social media is a problem for me. I've seen some celebrities that have filled out that form and have taken photographs of it and said, look, I've got ADHD. And that, and it, I it, I do everything within my power to stop myself commenting on those posts because I'm like, that's that that is a tool, you know. It's that that is like a I I don't even know if you'd call it an indicator, but it's a it's a helpful tool to kind of go through. But it isn't your assessment and diagnosis. I think there's two things, isn't there? Because I think. I knew after doing all of the research that I did and the reading and the reflection, I knew I had ADHD mm. and, you know, the choice to go ahead and, and get a diagnosis is so personal. And I think many people don't go down the route of formal diagnosis and that is absolutely fine. And if you're self-diagnosed, you're self-diagnosed. If you if you have gone to a private clinic that have was exposed like you said it doesn't mean that you're not ADHD just because that clinic was exposed mm -hmm. um and the, the the decision to go for an assessment isn't a quick one is it you really no. think about it and process it and I was terrified before mine I'd had to fill in so many questionnaires I'd had to do so many like I'm not good with psychometric tech you know the kind of and I'd had to do some testing and and my brain can't process that type of stuff and I they'd had my school reports and the forms from my mum and and I remember thinking I don't know I don't know what to expect and I my psychiatrist was and again it was a really long assessment and the level of questioning that I had was, it wasn't what I was expecting. I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't what I was expecting. But it was very situational and recalling right the way back from childhood and examples and and questions that, you know, and we've, we've talked about this in, in other episodes and, and off of screen. When you're asked a question, we were talking about the queuing, like, you know, what do you do in a queue? I'm like highly irritated and leave most of the time in a huff that you know, or I'm really fidgety and agitated and I just want to get to the front of the queue. Things like that, where you don't even know the context or why things like that are being, are being asked. Um, but an assessment isn't the same as a tick questionnaire. They're really assessing. I mean, I had to give all my mental health history. Yeah. Like that was the reality of it because... And trauma as well. They asked yeah. me trauma. Yeah, because they're... They're looking to see if your symptoms are ADHD, trauma, or yeah. both of those things, which yeah. is highly common for it to be both because yeah. growing up with undiagnosed ADHD, yeah. um, you know, as a consequence, um, you get trauma with it, yeah. don't you? How you're yeah, treated yeah. and then and autism as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I've always said that. that I've, so for me personally, I've always believed that my autistic and ADHD traits 
are my traits, but they've very much been formed by what I've been exposed to, the life that I've led, the environment that I've been in, you know, the interactions that I've had have impacted how it's then affected my life or the anxiety and the trauma that I've experienced as a result of that and camouflaging and masking and all that stuff. But I think that I really wish that that documentary had touched on or, or you know, I wonder if the the researchers or the journalists even had any awareness of what it is like to be someone with ADHD living in this holistic society that is just not designed for us, so that, that it is difficult. The, the, I guess the emotional impact of making a decision to go through an assessment it's not like a fun at the fair type decision, is it? And and the consequences of an expose like that that just leaves vulnerable people dismissed, it like invalidated. Yeah, and not... even more marginalised and ostracised. That's how I feel about it. I'm like, and that's how I feel about it without having had that experience. Yeah, and yeah, no care in the world or consideration no. for what they were doing. And surely someone along the way must have considered that. I don't know. It feels like there needs to be another follow-up, not necessarily by them, but by someone, doesn't there, to really show yeah. show what it's like. I mean, let's, let's put ourselves out there. We'd happily, well, <laughs> I'm yeah. speaking for you, um, you know help make a, a program that's more balanced and shows the truth yeah and the, and um the the kind of what it's like to live with adhd and you know i know for both of us we're also autistic so but but what it's like to live um in a society that's not really accepting or designed for us and that the impact that that has um and being able to share positive experiences about private clinics. I, I mean, I went via clinical partners. Mm. And I spoke to my GP before I went for assessment and that was who my GP recommended. My psychiatrist was an NHS, he was a lovely man. Um, he was an NHS psychiatrist as well. And I think I said to you, he was, it was him that very gently said to me, I, I believe that you're also autistic and it, it was him that referred me for for full autism assessment which I later went on to, to get through the NHS and he it was it was a really positive experience and so far as you know something that is relatively traumatic to go through could be a positive experience and I really wish that they had shared that there are some incredible private clinics around yeah. And, yeah. and in any organization right you're gonna have some rogue people of course you know of course there's gonna be that it is it is a very relevant issue that there are these that these clinics can pop up and the fact that you had nurses a pharmacist yeah like di diagnosing like that that was a worry um and i get that there's a need to raise awareness around if it had been positioned as a raising awareness around these private clinics taking advantage of vulnerable mm. people that would have been something else that would have been a 
these are some things to consider like this is what we've experienced um and, and the dangers around you know prescribing potentially life-threatening or dangerous drugs or unnecessary drugs exposing people that are being corrupt within their field because they wanted to look after vulnerable people in society that's another story altogether yeah and it that should have been the story yeah they missed that whole part didn't they and they're just angered i don't know if you saw the backlash online like mm. the backlash on like you know the the closed facebook groups and even i think the mail online had by the next day had published something about the uproar yeah um, it wasn't anything particularly in depth but it was already talking about you know the scathing comments around this this documentary like just think of what they how irresponsible i think how irresponsible how backward thinking and damaging yeah is which does it just show that there's an even less of an understanding of adhd that's still that stigma is still out there isn't it it's and they've just kind of contributed to that it's uh look we know we know what it is we've we're living it we're breathing it we're working with it to to be amazing humans and that's what we want for yeah one else so the good thing is it's a very supportive community so i hope those people that have been affected really badly will reach out and and get support and speak to people because it's they've just been left haven't they yeah and i and do you know what i don't really know where will where will they go that's what you know the, the online support groups and the the kind of organizations that help what can they do like I think that's really that's where it's really upsetting because the people that have been affected what now like you said like there was nothing about if you had been affected contact how do they think that is going to impact mental health within the ADHD community and you know this is a different different kind of side note but with what I do in my work with scars and self-injury clients there is a huge percentage of my clients that are either autistic and or adhd and there is a a lot of of evidence that that supports the link between things like self-injury and autism and adhd and i just wonder what the impact on mental health is going to be with messages like that coming out of mainstream media that's what that genuinely really worries me yeah that's the scary the scary part i know um a charity adhd uk have done a survey on how it's affected people right. um, i looked at their instagram post earlier and yeah massive a massive percentage of people have said it's affected their mental health yeah um, and what about we're talking about adults but what about parents that have taken their kids down this route like the private route because even you know i know that with adult services the wait was four years but with you know cams and the nhs is so overloaded so the child sort of support services whilst it might be quicker you're still probably looking at 18 months plus so so my goodness what about the 
the teens and the young the younger ones that have ha perhaps had a private diagnosis I mean that's just gosh and that only just crossed my mind I'd only really processed it for adults yeah. but that's some seriously dangerous territory for mental health I think yeah absolutely and Panorama and the BBC need to be held accountable and that is why people are I mean, people are com writing complaints. They've kind of breached all sorts of um, of their their conditions and rules and stuff. Um, so let's see. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, people are left just left to it, and that's not going to change. But yeah, so I guess to finish the conversation, what sort? What would you say to somebody that has had a similar experience? You know, a short assessment um because they don't know that that's they just know that's their experience so if they're thinking now oh mine wasn't real or yeah. you know what would you say to them I think first of all I would say that the documentary doesn't mean that you know if you've been down that route or had that experience it doesn't mean that you don't have ADHD and, and actually having an assessment you know like like i said at the beginning some people don't have an assessment they're self-diagnosed so i'd say to people please don't don't let that invalidate your belief or your understanding of your adhd the second thing i'd say would be to reach out to either your gp or um, one of the formal kind of bodies that are able to point you in the direction if you wanted to go you wanted to go for another assessment i mean even as i'm saying that i'm like is that even the right thing to advise i don't i don't i, I don't know my head is spinning from that documentary i think it's hard, what, yeah. what would you say like i what would you well, add on that yeah i mean the, the whole thing if somebody wanted to go for another assessment you know that's going to be a personal thing some yeah. people will be i am won't they and yeah, some totally. people will be uh, you know, um, I just think the main thing I want to say is it does not mean if you've had that similar experience, no. it doesn't invalidate your yeah. your experience. And, you know, generally speaking, if you your lived experience, isn't it? So you're, you can't. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that's your your lived experience is what tells you whether you have ADHD. Yeah. And, you know, once you start like meeting up with other people whether that's online or in person and you have this this spark and this connection you know that's because you are part of the same um neurotype don't you you just know yeah. and it's an instant thing so diagnosis or no diagnosis or short diagnosis it it doesn't change who you are what your no. experience is and if you connect with other ADHDers then fabulous you found your people yeah, yeah absolutely and I think it has to be that positive message doesn't it and I think you know I just want to touch on this briefly because they did a bit of a ridiculous expose saying and even the NHS have been outsourcing they really lightly touched on this NHS waitlist and because of some of the waitlist even the NHS have been outsourcing to some to what they were saying is to essentially some of these dodgy yeah. ADHD private practices and I guess what I would say is if somebody has had that experience please go back and let your GP know because 
Uh, yeah. the, the GPs have the choice about who they partner with and it, that's different for every local authority so every single local health authority will make the decision about who they outsource to it's not a blanket blanket mm. decision I'm sure that that's right so if you've had that experience feed feed that back to your GP um I would imagine they would likely know I mean I, I again I don't know about you but I had like a I don't even know how many pages worth of a report mm. on you know on my assessments and everything yeah. that kind of went with that which was very so, so the gps will likely have an idea if they've got a very very you know light touch yeah but i think ask your gp speak to your gp about your concerns if it's really important for you to have another assessment because you need that not because you need it to be to feel validated in society but because you genuinely want to have that experience i think it's reasonable to ask your gp yeah to re-refer you yeah absolutely i don't see why not um yeah. but I, but the reason i wanted to mention it is is i think it's important that if because they touched on that in a very i think it was in is it i might be wrong don't i think it was glasgow where they were talking about there was an outsource to a a partner and that was a poor experience but I, I i think it's important that if that is happening that the nhs know that that's what's happening yeah yeah and hopefully they will now and and investigate but yeah they didn't show any of the wonderful private clinics we've had two great great experience yeah. you know positive experiences and got the help that we needed um I think if somebody, it might be worth adding that if somebody really wanted to go for an assessment and, and also check with your local authority because some local authorities might have a 12-month wait or a six-month wait. Others might have four years. Like, you know, my trust had four years when when I was initially referred and, and everybody's going to be different. But what you can do is ask your GP which NHS partners they would recommend and actually, that is really important, isn't it? That's probably something that we do need to just touch on, just thinking about it quickly, because you need to, if you're going to go for an ADHD assessment, it's important to have an NHS partner so you can go through titration. Yeah. So so what that, that means afterwards is shared care agreement. So if, for example, you are prescribed medication, if it's a completely unrecognised ADHD private practitioner, your GP might not accept that diagnosis and therefore might not take on the shared care and therefore prescribe your medication on the NHS, yeah. which could mean you're paying, as we saw in that documentary, hundreds of pounds a month for your medication. Yeah. Whereas if it's an NHS partner, typically you would work with the private clinic to stabilise your medication. They would titrate you over to the NHS and you would, and then you would get your medication in some instances by the nhs um you know i don't i don't um i i don't take medication but i think i think that's quite an important point to make yeah because some people do get caught out that way and end up yeah. paying hundreds and hundreds um so do your research before yeah and find if you find that research hard find someone that can help you that's the thing yeah. um so you can GP? make because the gps will know yeah who, who they can um you know who their nhs partners are so oh yeah. susie you vanished off the screen have i yeah can you hear me can hear but i can't see you oh i can see me i oh. should 
<laughs> the recording should hopefully still show me oh this is weird I, I i have to have the visual this is really freaking me out i can't see you. <laughs> oh, no. well let's um, let's finish it there let me try yeah. turning my camera off and turning it on again oh there you are oh you're back weird very strange freaked you out you coped well i know not like when you <laughs> put up your image as a dog Do you... and i could i didn't cope very well with that did i I was like, oh, this is going to be so funny. I put a dog ad avatar on, popped on the screen to meet Nikki for, I think it was for a coaching session. I don't know, or a podcast. It, it was a coaching session. And you were like, you didn't know what to say, did you? And then you were like, you do know you're a dog. I was like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. And you were like, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that was it me. Just, I wasn't expecting it. I'm not, that that stuff for me is like. I know it was comedy gold for you, but I was very <laughs> confused by that situation. <laughs> and this is like me, like loving the kind of reactions. But yeah, it's a bit mean for other people. No, it was, it was fine. I think I it, I laughed at my own reaction thinking, wow, that's so serious. But my brain couldn't process the fact that you had this dog avatar. And it was just like my brain just got really confused when you vanished off the screen. I don't, yeah. I can't, I can't do phone calls very easily because I have to see somebody even though i don't look in the camera that much <laughs> but i still have to have a visual yeah or my brain gets really scrambled and can't connect wow and um, that, you know, so many autistic people um have trouble with the phone and people don't realize do they what what's going on in the brain you know and i, but I just find it much easier to like to know that I can look and I know I like I said to you before I was looking at an interview that I'd done with my with my PA and realizing how much I look around and don't look into the camera but then I know how difficult it is if it's on the phone or if I can't see someone my brain can't go how you can't how can you speak to what you can't see that's what happens for me I think so the phone somebody says I'll phone you at whatever time the way around that is I have to walk around. I have to do something. I couldn't sit and talk on the phone because yeah. I can't process it. Really interesting. Good. Yeah. Good but, um, I think we covered that anyway. It was just the titration, but that's what I wanted to recommend. So if people were really not sure what to do and wanted some guidance, I think the sensible step would be to speak to your GP and ask about NHS partners mm. um, because then at least you can confidently reach out reach out for an assessment ask what the wait list is on the nhs but then confidently reach out to a private clinic that's an nhs partner knowing that you can titrate and have shared care and potentially get your medication that way but have that confidence that more often than not they are nhs psychiatrists that are just doing private work yeah yeah good good advice thank you well let's uh let's see see what happens next i'm sure there's going to be more more um on this subject um yeah. thank you for talking to me today and i hope that people listening can get some reassurance and yeah. uh, and do what's right for them so yeah. thank you yeah, you're very welcome thanks for having me on again <laughs>